showcasing beloved favorites and forgotten gems, this is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network.
Hello again. I am Jason Drury, allegedly, and welcome to the second of the latest edition of the Archive Show on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Before we continue, as always, it's a big hello to our listeners at cinematicsound.net and from wherever you get great podcasts that feature this show. A gamble, I do admit. Either way, it's great to have you join us. And if you're listening to this programme for Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, on your iPhone, or by mistake, thinking that Eric Wood sounds a bit different at the moment, it's been taking helium, please take the time to rate and review the show. It really does help get the show noticed and introduces new listeners to the programme, mistakenly or not. We now, as you know, have a new merchandise store where you can buy an archive logo t-shirt or any other from your favourite Cinematic Sound Network programmes, as well as hundreds of other items, including limited edition apparel. Woo! To see the swag on offer, go to TeePublic. The link is strategically placed on the webpage. Now, this is part two of episode 27 of the show, if you're keeping count. Really? And if you haven't listened to part one of this show yet, as always, I admire your rebellious attitude. We kicked off part two by playing the Great Migration from Entrada's recently released expanded reissue of the score to 1988's The Land Before Time, composed by James Horner and performed by the London Symphony Orchestra. We will feature more music from that film later, as well as continuing our Best of British segment for this edition, featuring more music from the pen of the great John Addison, with his score for the 1976 Sherlock Holmes mystery, The 7% Solution. But we continue part two now with a Cinematic Sound Radio Network exclusive. On January the 8th, Beres Saraband Records released their first two releases of 2021. We will be playing both. On today's show, starting with Looney Tunes Back in Action, the 2003 live action animated comedy film directed by Joe Dante and written by Larry Doyle and starring Brendan Fraser, Brendan Fraser, Jenna Elfman, Steve Martin and Timothy Dalton with Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny both voiced by Joe Alasky. In the universe where Looney Tunes live in the same real world as humans, Daffy Duck quits his job at a Hollywood studio because he feels like Bugs Bunny gets all the attention. Daffy teams up with a recently fired stuntman who wants to find his father's mythical lost blue diamond. Soon the duo are travelling from Hollywood to Las Vegas and across the world from America to Africa with a studio executive and Bugs Bunny hot on their tail trying to get Daffy to come back to his Hollywood career. Now this, as you may know was the final film scored by composer Jerry Goldsmith. Due to Goldsmith's failing health, the last reel of the film was scored by John Debney. Though Goldsmith was the only credited composer in marketing materials, and the original Verez Serband soundtrack album only contained Goldsmith's music. Of all the first and last cues were adaptations of compositions heard in Warner Brothers cartoons. Debney received an additional music by credit in the closing titles of the film and special thanks in the soundtrack album credits. Jerry Goldsmith died in July 2004, eight months after the film's release. The globetrotting adventure demanded one of Goldsmith's zaniest scores, a sort of indescribable combination of slapstick, action and whimsy 
that lurches from high-energy symphonic chases to pop-influenced flourishes, to Carl Stalling-styled Mickey Mousing. All of it has Goldsmith's inimitable melodic touch, with the special brand of left-field inspiration, but always accompanied his work for Joe Dante. David's cues brought the fun to an appropriate climax with some of his typical cartoon action writing. But for me, when listening to the score, it has a true poignancy, knowing how Goldsmith was struggling on the scoring stage, trying hard to finish his work. But Stu produces some great music in what was sadly to be his scoring swan song. Now, disc one... Of the two-disc release features the complete score composed by Goldsmith with additional music by John Devney and the cartoon cue segments which were composed by Carl Starling and adapted by Cameron Patrick. This too features alternate takes with the slates as well, as well as the original short Verez album. The score for Looney Tunes Back in Action is highly enjoyable, but nevertheless, always for me in listening, is tinged with a hint of sadness. So here now is music from the 2003 Joe Dante directed live action animated comedy film Looney Tunes Back in Action. With original score composed and conducted by Jerry Goldsmith, with additional music by John Debney and performed by the Hollywood Studio Symphony.
That was music from the 2003 Joe Dante directed live action animated comedy film Looney Tunes Back in Action. With original score composed and conducted by Jay Goldsmith, with additional music by John Demney, and performed by the Hollywood Studio Symphony. The original soundtrack recording with loads of extras has just been released in a brand new 2 CD deluxe edition by Varez Saraband Records. Delving into the greats of film music's past, this is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. As you may have heard, we kicked off part two by playing the Great Migration from Intrada's recently released expanded reissue of the score to the Land Before Time, the 1988 animated adventure drama film, directed and produced by Don Bluth, and executive produced by Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall, with original score composed by James Horner. The film starred the voices of Gabriel Damon, Candace Houston, Judith Barzi and Will Ryan, with narration by Pat Hingle. The plot featured dinosaurs living in prehistoric times. A young, long-neck Apposaurus named Littlefoot is orphaned when his mother is killed by a vicious carnivore. Littlefoot flees famine and upheaval to search for the Great Valley, an area spared from devastation. On his journey, he meets up with four young companions, Sarah the Freehorn, Triceratops, Ducky the Big Mouth, Sorophus, Petrie the Fly, the Pterodon, and Spike the Spiketail, the Stegosaurus. Any dinosaurs listening to the show who are offended by my pronunciation of their names, I sincerely apologise. I'm sure I'll get emails. The film explores issues of prejudice between different species and the hardships they endure on their journey as they are guided by the spirit of Littlefoot's mother and forced to deal with a sharp tooth, a Tyrannosaurus rex. The film's success, along with an American tale and the 1988 live-action animated film Who Framed Roger Rabbit, led Spielberg to found his animation studio, Amblimation. The first film spawned a franchise with 13 direct-to-video sequels, a television series, video games and merchandise, none of which had Bluths, Spielbergs and Lucas's involvement. Now, 1988 was a productive year for James Horner, with scores that included Willow, Red Heat, Vibes, Cocoon the Return and The Land Before Time. Because scoring the Cocoon sequel lasted longer than expected, the composer's time to compose the music fell from 12 weeks to just 5, which put pressure on everyone involved in the scoring of the film, and meant additional sessions in the evening at the recording stage. Horner's score was conceived in broad, lengthy paragraphs. The film's cue sheet only considered just 10 cues for a score of over 70 minutes in length. Horner binded several recurring themes together in kaleidoscope fashion, demonstrating his gift for creative ideas that would reappear in ways both obvious and subtle. Rhythms, intervals, harmonies and orchestral colours change, maintaining musical development in line to the narrative's progression. Now, One of the traits of Horner's music was his love of creating long cues, making them feel at times as movements of a classical 
concert work. He avoided attempts to hit every single musical sync point and instead wrote through his cues, illuminating the emotional weight of the scene being scored. He was also famed for recording those long cues in one take. If any errors arose, which happened sometimes as the musicians were only human, Horner's pickups would consist of playing the whole cue again, even if it was over 10 minutes in length. For the Land Before Time, Horner recorded at least 8 to 10 takes of each cue until he captured the exact energy and musicality he sought, resulting in a cohesive and dynamic performance by the famed London Symphony Orchestra, wonderfully recorded by Sean Murphy at Abbey Road Studios in London. A recording not easily obtained by the typical method of recording small sections of the cue and editing them together. As Jonathan Broxton wrote on the Movie Music UK site, quote, It's a score that teems with colour and life, features gorgeously rendered instrumental passages, and contains abundant emotional content, which speaks directly and clearly to his audience. It plays almost like a classical work, a tone poem or a ballet, and is through composed with a great deal of elegance and symphonic sophistication. End quote. Now when I researched my three-part James Horner documentary, which is still available to listen to on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network and other places, I had the real pleasure of talking to the great Conrad Pope, who had worked as an orchestrator on many of Horner's scores. I asked him during our interview which was his favourite all-time score by James Horner. The answer surprised me a little. His answer to the question was The Land Before Time. And this recent release of the complete score from Entrada Records has proved once again that Conrad Pope knows great theme music when he finds it. Now this new release features two extra tracks, Journey of the Dinosaurs and Separate Paths. The suite I'm about to play will feature Journey of the Dinosaurs and one of those classic James Horner end credit pieces. And I do not mean the songs. So here now is more music from the 1988 animated feature The Land Before Time, the original score composed and conducted by James Horner and performed by the London Symphony Orchestra, the King's College Choir and the Choirists of St Paul's Cathedral and Ladies Chorus.
Thank you. 
That was music from the 1988 animated feature The Land Before Time. The original score composed and conducted by James Horner and performed by the London Symphony Orchestra, the King's College Choir and the Chorists of St Paul's Cathedral and Ladies Chorus. The original soundtrack recording has just been released as an expanded edition in November 2020 by Intrada Records. This is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Now, if you were listening to part one of this show, you would have enjoyed the music of John Addison's score for Schwarzbuckler on my Best of British segment, who in 2020, we celebrated the centenary of his birth. Now also in 1976, Addison scored another classic movie, of which has had an extended soundtrack release by our good friends at Quartet Records. The 7% Solution, the Oscar-nominated mystery film directed by Herbert Ross and written by Nicholas Meyer. Yes, that Nicholas Meyer. It was based on Meyer's 1974 novel of the same name and starred Nicole Williamson, Robert Duvall, Alan Arkin and Laurence Olivier. Dr John Watson, played by Duvall, becomes convinced that his friend Sherlock Holmes, Nicole Williamson, is delusional, particularly in his belief that Professor James Moriarty, Laurence Olivier, is a criminal mastermind, as a result of his addiction to cocaine. Moriarty visits Watson to complain about being harassed by Holmes. Watson enlists the aid of Sherlock's brother, Mycroft, played by Charles Gray, to trick Holmes into travelling to Vienna, where he will be treated by Sigmund Freud, Alan Arkin. During the course of his treatment, Holmes investigates a kidnapping case with international implications, and Freud uncovers a dark personal secret suppressed in Holmes' subconscious. On the first part of his original screenplay, Nicholas Meyer wrote, The music is by Bernard Herrmann. Herbert Ross liked the idea and consequently hired Herrmann to write the score, but Herrmann died on December 24, 1975, before beginning work on the new film, so Meyer suggested John Addison to compose the music in Herrmann's stead. This was not the first instance of Addison replacing Herrmann. He had stepped up to replace Herman's score for Torn Curtain nearly a decade earlier when Herman and Alfred Hitchcock had their legendary falling out. But in that case, he was replacing a already existing score that didn't please the director, or more to the point, the studio. In the case of the 7% solution, he stepped in only because Herman, sadly, was no longer available. Addison's score for the 7% solution is classically informed using elements of pastiche and integrating them easily into his own distinctive voice. After writing Torn Curtain, Addison returned to England for a number of years before coming back to Hollywood in the mid-1970s and resuming his American film scoring career, first with Swashbuckler and then with The 7% Solution. He later earned an Emmy for the music he composed for the premiere episode of the TV series Murder, She Wrote, entitled ironically the murder of Sherlock Holmes. His immensely popular theme was used on all subsequent episodes of the series' 12-year run. For Addison, he found scoring the 7% solution interesting 
as it allowed for a use of certain musical forms in their own right. For example, the Passicalia for Sherlock Holmes. This was originally written for the main title, but he later decided on another approach. For the exciting train chase at the end of the film, it occurred to the composer Yudi Shardash, which is a Hungarian dance. Addison inserted a note for engineer Eric Tomlinson, which was please arrange for complete separation for Symbolum, probably to aid in balancing the relatively soft instrument against Addison's large orchestra, which included 32 string players, plus a full complement of brass, woodwind and percussion. For the Vienna settings, Addison was moved to use the waltz to play up both the humour and vigour of the tennis match between Freud and the Baron. Also, Addison decided to employ Spanish dance rhythms, which he developed further for the sword fight, at the climax of the film. The composer greatly enjoyed working on the 7% solution and felt the score was among the most satisfying of all his film compositions. So here now is music from the 1976 mystery film The 7% Solution. The original score composed and conducted by John Addison.
That was music from the 1976 mystery film The 7% Solution, with original score composed and conducted by John Addison. The original soundtrack recording was released in a new two-disc set recently by Quartet Records. And speaking of Quartet Records, there's going to be a special archive show coming soon, featuring the superb Christmas releases from that label on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I wonder if John Addison be featured on that show as well. And with that magnificent piece of blatant advertising, we have sadly now come to the end of part two of this edition of the Archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I leave you with music with another Cinematic Sound Radio Network exclusive from a film which unbelievably celebrated its 25th anniversary in 2020 and it's the second new release of 2021 from Varese Saraband Records. It was also at the time one of the perfect first date movies which I myself can readily attest to. Babe, the 1995 family comedy drama film directed by Chris Noonan and produced by George Miller. It was written by both and narrated by Roscoe Lee Brown and starred James Cromwell in an Academy Award nominated role as Father Hoggett and Maga Shirazgi with the voices of Christine Kavanagh, Miriam Margolis, Hugo Weaving and Danny Maine. It is an adaptation of Dick King Smith's 1983 novel The Sheep Pig, also known as Babe the Gallant Pig in the United States, and tells the story of a pig raised as livestock who wants to do the work of a sheepdog. The main animal characters are played by a combination of real and animatronic pigs and border colleagues. After seven years of development, Babe was filmed in Robertson, New South Wales, Australia. The talking animal visual effects were done by the Riven Hughes Studios and Jim Henson's Creature Shop. The film was both a box office and critical success, grossing over $254 million worldwide and earned seven Oscar nominations, including a win for Best Visual Effects. In 1998, a sequel directed by Mirror, Babe, Pig in the City, was released, but the less we say about that, the better. Now, the musical score for Babe was composed by Nigel Westlake and were formed by the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. Classical orchestral music by 19th century French composers were used throughout the film but is disguised in a variety of ways and often integrated by Westlake into his score. This perfectly captures the human emotions of the film's animal characters while ironically treating the humans with an animal-like comedy and whimsy. The theme song, If I Had Words, with lyrics by Jonathan Hodge, sung by Hoggett near the film's conclusion, is an adaptation of the Mestoso final movement of the organ symphony by Camille Sansons. This tune recurs throughout the film's score. In 1977, If I Had Words was adapted into a British reggae pop hit by Scott Fitzgerald and Yvonne Keeley, a speeded-up version of which is used in Babe's end credits. The music for Babe is a pure artistic pleasure. The film presents emotion and above all is a fine storytelling experience, injecting pure emotions into the human heart. With his wonderfully fully orchestral score, Nigel Westlake backs up the visuals with a fine, with a fine sense of orchestral flair. So to end part two of this edition of the Archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network, here is music from the classic 1995 family comedy drama Babe, original score composed by Nigel Westlake 
and performed by the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra conducted by David Stanhope and Carl Vine. The original soundtrack recording has just been released as a new expanded deluxe edition by Verez Saraband Records. Thank you very much for listening. I do hope you enjoyed both parts of this edition of the Archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Stay tuned for a special show concerning the recent Christmas releases from Quartet Records. That's coming soon on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Until then, from me, Jason Drury, is take care and happy listening.
Hey. What? You look like an intelligent, sophisticated, discerning young fella. Who, me? Yeah, follow me. Oh boy, are you in for some fun. What are we doing? Where are we going? And a one, and a two, and a three, hit it! tuning in to the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I want to thank Tim Burden for providing his voice for all the bumpers and stingers you hear throughout the program, and David Cosina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's theme music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media at Sound Radio on Twitter and Cinematic Sound on Facebook. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment right now to rate the show and write a brief review. Reviews help introduce potential listeners to the show. And while you're at it, head over to TeePublic to get a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt. And don't forget to check out Cinematic Sound Radio at cinematicsound.net. <laughs>